Tree Talking Time is brought to you by Conkeys Outdoors. Get all your hound hunting needs at Conkeys.com. Welcome to Tree Talking Time, where we talk all things tree dogs. From the smallest feists to the largest hounds, drink squirrels to bears and everything in between. And from time to time, we might even run a little fast game. Welcome back to another episode of Tree Talking Time. The next couple episodes are a series from the Great American Outdoor Show. The Great American Outdoor Show is a nine-day show held in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania every year. It's uh, usually the second week of February. It is the largest outdoor consumer show held in the United States. If you want to book a hunt to anywhere in the world, this is a great place to come meet outfitters and see different packages and hunts available all in one place. Uh, some incredible taxidermy, a whole room full of archery stuff, whole room full of fishing tackle, whole room full of guns and gun manufacturers and accessories. It's a great show to go to if you're in anywhere near Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I usually go and sit down with some outfitters and some different guys. This year was the same, and uh, there's going to be four episodes from the Great American Outdoor Shows in the next couple of weeks. They are shorter episodes because, you know, most of these guys have booths and they're working. So I don't want to take up too much of their time. So here's the first one. Hope you enjoy. Well, basically how I get into outfitting was uh, I, uh, in high schools when I went on my first bear hunt, I guess. It was uh, around 1974. So, yeah, I used to bear hunt with my dad and okay. a bunch of friends. And, yeah. you know, they, you know, a few guys that were guiding a little bit and, uh, you know, we got got involved in it and uh like i said we've always hunted had dogs our whole life so you know my father my grandfather and it just progressed from there so yeah got my guide license back in like 1980 and uh started doing this full-time in 1989 wow yeah so you've done this majority of your life then uh, like you're quite a bit of my life yeah yeah yep. that's pretty cool yep yep no i i uh 1989 like i said we jumped into this with both feet and uh started my business in in maine in the fall and you know i I bought a business off a friend of mine sonny wade and he had another lodge in canada that that i bought from him and uh so anyways we do this full time get a spring spring season up there and a fall season here in maine nice yeah well why don't you introduce yourself bob yep uh my name is bob parker i own and operate stony brick outfitters in uh wilton maine western mountain region okay so we're here at the great american outdoor show you're the you're the first first victim (laughs) of the show so far yep and uh, I've got a couple lined up this morning, so. Okay. But you're the first, and I've been on you the last couple of years to do this. Yeah, like I say, <laughs> I'm not much for for, for talking and uh, getting out in front of people, but. Uh, you like yeah. to talk. You just, you're just nervous to talk with a mic in your. <laughs> well, you, that's probably it. Because <laughs> yesterday you had no problem telling me good stories, so. Yeah. Well, like you said, you got into this pretty young. Um, so you said your dad and your grandfather, they hunted. Yeah. What kind of hounds were they? Uh, basically, it was coon hounds back okay. in those days, yeah. Okay. Yeah, 1974 is when we started bear hunting a little bit. And mm-hmm. uh, like I say, I just kind of got the itch, and uh, it progressed from a couple dogs to 20-some-odd dogs that we own now. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. Now, what were they hunting back then? Excuse me? What kind of hounds were they running back then? Uh, walker hounds, mostly. Okay. Yep. So you've wa- been walker man all your life? Yeah. Uh, not my whole life. I'm, I'm really not colorblind. There's good, there's good hounds in every breed. Um, right now, I, I, I'm leaning towards the English hounds. Okay. You know, I, I like English pretty well. Well, is that a recent switch? Because I think in the past you've told me you were a walk. You, you hunt mostly walkers. Yeah, it's. Uh, I've 
English seemed to have everything for me. They mm -hmm. seemed to have the, you know, the agility, the, the stamina, cold nose, grittiness. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they seemed to have it all for me. Yeah. You know, some guys are diehard plot guys, and to me it doesn't make any difference if it's a plot or an English or really a walker, but, mm -hmm. yeah. What do you look for in a dog? I like, I tell you, honestly, a dog is only as good as his feet. You know, mm -hmm. if his feet can't hold up, yeah. you know, in my business, I need a dog that can run every single day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if he can't pull his weight, you know, he's not benefiting me or my clients at all. So, yeah. um, there's things you want to look at and how I like, you know, you like to have a dog that has got good brains. You know, he's got the agility. He's got a good coat of hair on him. He can take, you know, in the northeast where we are, our woods are pretty dense and thick, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of brush. And a dog that's thin-haired gets beat up pretty bad. Okay. Um, you know, you need need a dog that, that can take the, the beating. And like I said, his feet's got to hold up. If his feet don't hold up and the dog can't go in the morning, mm -hmm. you know, it's you need to find something you can run almost every day if you can. Oh, yeah. Every every dog will need a break now and then, but, you For know, sure. you want something that can hold up. Mm -hmm. Do you have a size preference on dogs? Uh, honestly, uh, I tell you, 35 to 55, 60-pound dog is about as big as you want. You don't need these dogs that are huge. Um, yeah. You know, the bigger the dog, the harder it is on them. The, the more and more people I talk to, the more and more I hear that. Yeah. That seems to be... That 50-pound dog is like the sweet spot no matter where you are in this country. Exactly. A 50-pound dog is as big as most people want. Yep. Yep. So. And cold nose, you know, uh, honestly, uh, I, again, I've been doing this such a long time that we were doing this before tracking collars started. Oh, yeah. You know, I remember the old beeper days when we started. Everybody had the beeper collars, and, you know, now we got the GPS collars. And, you know, some of us older guys, you know, we're not as tech-savvy as some of the young guys <laughs> coming on board, but... Um, sometimes with the GPS collars and, and the tools that we have today, we're teaching our dogs to be more hot-nosed than cold-nosed. Mm -hmm. You know, years ago, I think we had better cold-nosed dogs than we got today. Okay. Now, what makes you say that? Uh, it, it, just like trail cameras, you know. All of us use trail cameras, you know, to, to find out what's on the what's in the area and what time the animal's been there and everything. And, you know, everybody's looking for the hottest track to put the young dog on. And, you know, years ago... You know, if we had baits out and we, we did a bait today and we went tomorrow morning and the bait was hit, we had no problem turning the dog loose on it. Okay. And uh, the dogs would work the track up, make the jump and catch. Uh, today, a lot of guys, you know, they might look at it at something and say, geez, that track was, that bait was hit at 10, 30, 11 o'clock last night. You know, let's try to find something fresher. You okay. know, and a lot of times I think you need to let your dogs out, let your dogs mm -hmm. do their thing. And, uh, yeah, you know, we're... We're teaching them to be more hot-nosed than they were years ago. Makes sense. So what about the hound hunting really drew you in versus, like, any other type of hunting? I'm not a patient person, okay? <laughs> we we um, share that in common, Bob. Yeah, I can honestly tell you, you know, I, I make my living bait hunting and dog hunting, and, and uh, I set up a lot of bait sites. I have never sat on a bait site and shot a bear over bait. Yeah. Um, me, myself, I like turning a dog loose, watching him. You know, watching them work that track, uh, cold trailing, you know, you can, you know, a lot of times I've I've been known to tell my hunters to, sh listen, you know, I'm, what it is, I'm trying to pick out a certain dog. I can hear what he's doing. He's telling me a story. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, you hear him cold trail, you hear him make the jump, you hear him make the catch, or you change over the tree, you know. 
sometimes they got the bear on the ground or the cat on the ground. You can tell just by the way they're barking what's going on there. You know, and to me, it's I like to listen to my dogs and watch them progress. No, it makes a lot of sense, and I think a lot of people that are listening to this will resonate with that. You know, we're all dog guys. So yeah. What stands out? How, so how long have you you've been so since '89? So you've been doing this over 30 years full yep. time. So you, I'm sure you've taken a lot of a lot of people. You said yesterday you do like 60 clients or uh, something. But for dogs, uh, we take eight eight dog hunters a week. Okay. Eight dog hunters a week for the whole season. So what's the whole season? Uh, basically, it's like the second week in September to the end of October. Okay, so almost two months. You know, so you're yep. taking a lot of people. You know, with hounds every year. So yep. I'm sure you've got some crazy stories and some yep. good ones. You know, earlier in the season, anybody can catch a bear. Later in the season, mm-hmm. when the bears are finding it hard to get, you know, then you gotta you got to think a little bit differently, and, you know, mm-hmm. in order to be productive. Yeah. Yep. Out of all your dogs you've ever had, what's your favorite dog? Oh, I can't say I've actually had one favorite dog. You know, we've we've had a bunch of them over the years, but uh, I, I had one dog I can... I'll tell you one that just happened recently last year. Uh, her name's Reba. You know, she's a she's a walker hound. We uh, it's during training season. The dogs are doing a good job, and this this bear just didn't want a tree. And uh, next thing you know, she's showing treed, but she fell out of the chase. So you know, we we went in the woods to see what's going on. And uh, every once in a while, you know, a, a dog happens to get hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, we feel bad for him. We don't want to see this happen. But no. and but anyways, this dog, she got hurt, and uh, the bear had hooked her and, and uh, pulled her intestines out. Oof. So she was dragging them behind her in the woods. And uh, anyways, we scooped her up and picked her up, carried her out, you know, kind of holding her together with our hands as we mm-hmm. got into the truck. And uh, I've seen a lot of a lot of bad stuff. I really didn't think this dog was going to make it. Oh, you know? yeah. And uh, so I got on the phone, called my wife, and uh, called the vet's office so they could expect us. And, mm-hmm. you know, I met my wife as she was coming towards me. We were heading to her. And and uh, anyways, uh, I need to back up a little bit. Um, <laughs> this is going to lead to something else we should talk about, I guess, too. Okay. Um, I had to f- try to figure out what I was going to do to hold her intestines in. Yeah. You know, this dog, she was standing on him, you know, wagging her tail. You know, she's glad to be with us, but she was hurt bad. And she's standing on her, on her intestines, and they were coming out. So, you know, what am I going to do here? Well, I just happened to have a dirty towel in the truck. Um, it was better than nothing. It, oh, yeah. it, ideally, this is what I'd want to use, but I had a towel there, and yeah. I had some zip ties. So we made kind of a makeshift diaper rig and put it up around her back and held her together and uh, got her to the vets. And uh, long story short, um, a pretty extensive vet bill. That dog, she was on the chain for four weeks, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, – we weren't supposed to run her or nothing, you know, for a while, let her heal up. And that yeah. dog was just bouncing around the dog box, wanting to go <laughs> and uh, jumping up, jumping down, doing everything. And, you know, I says, you know, she's going to hurt herself right here if I don't even take her. Yeah. And uh, five weeks after the time she got hurt, she treated a bear all by herself. Wow. And she's been going every day since. That's so, I pretty mean, incredible. The, yeah. These the, dogs uh, are, are tough. They, they are tough and uh, they love what they're doing. They do. You know, we're not being abusive to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Probably a little thing we should, you know, like I said, we need to back up a little bit. What us houndsmen ought to think about is carrying an old T-shirt or something like that with us, um, maybe even a bottle of water. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if you had a T-shirt or something, you could dampen it, wet it so that nothing sticks to the T-shirt and use that to wrap a dog up with it, hold it together till you get out. But uh, Yeah. 
Now, I've, I've had, uh, I had a vet on one time, and I've also listened to plenty of other podcasts that have had vets or, or people that have had crazy horror stories like that and kind of things to carry. And, you know, and actually here at this show, uh, Gundog Outdoors is here, and in no way sponsor this podcast or anything, but they sell, you know, a vet kit that has yep. a staple gun and everything. So even I'm not saying, you know, you got to patch it up and not take it to the vet, no, but just to get you to the vet. Yes, yeah. You know, we – we we love love our dogs as much as we do our kids, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we got to take every precaution we can to make it safe for them. Yeah, um, I can tell you, even honey and water. You know, if you're running in hot temperatures, dogs get exerted. Yeah, uh, I've had dogs that have collapsed from exertion. Uh, honey and water, just give them yeah. a little shot of honey and water and a squeeze bottle. Yeah, I mean that doesn't take up a lot of room in your pack, but it's no, something it that you know you should carry with you. Yeah, I mean hey. You might even need it for the mm-hmm. days out. Exactly. Yep. And, you know, your training season, what, comes in July? Our training season starts in July, yeah. yes. So it's hot, humid, yep. you know. Yeah, you try to get started early in the morning when it's the coolest, but you never know. You know, sometimes yeah. the chase goes into the later part of the day. and Especially get on one of the smaller running bears, you know. Yep. They, they can run all day long, so. Yes. And if they get into an area where you can't cut your dogs off, you know. Like yep. you said, your dogs could be in there for hours. Exactly. So. No, definitely things that we need to think about. Yep. Conkeys Outdoors is proud to be a sponsor of Tree Talking Time. Family, hunting, tradition is the Conkeys motto. They understand the importance of passing down the tradition of hound hunting. They are a family-owned business that treats you like family. They also understand the importance of having the gear you need when you need it. Conkeys carries everything for your next hunt, and it ships to your door quick. They also offer great warranties on all tracking systems and financing options. Check them out at conkeys.com. You can also use the code TREETALKINGTIME5 in all caps to save as well. You got some good stories? Oh, geez, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Come on, you, you got to give me some good stories. Well, I had this. I didn't know if I should be talking about this story on here, should I? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know what story it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had this hunter one time. And this happened a couple of years ago. Well, actually, more than that now, probably four or five years ago. Uh, one of my game wardens had a bait right near one of mine. And okay. uh, we had a nice bear coming mm-hmm. to my bait. And his bait was like a half a mile away. And uh, anyway, so the game warden and I are good friends. So, you know, I, I called him up and I says, hey, I, I think I got the big one going this morning. And uh, he was pretty excited. So he uh, he says, look, he says, you get him treated, let me know. And I says, yeah, no problem. So... 20 minutes goes by, and uh, the dogs are showing treed, you know, on the GPS. So I called him up and told him, and he's pretty excited. And he says, I'm on duty. He says, you mind if I come in with you? And I says, that's fine. You know, I told him where I'd meet him, and it's going to take me 20 minutes to get over there. And so anyways, I'm over there, and he pulls in, and uh, he's pretty excited for us. And so I said, the good news is they got him, but the bad news is he's not treed. So, you know, we get in the woods there with the dogs, and, you know, they got him walking on the ground is what it yeah. is. And so I've got the hunter with me and his girlfriend and the warden and myself. And four times we have this bear that I got the guy at one knee and he got his gun to his shoulder. And I wouldn't let him shoot because it was thick enough that I couldn't tell which end of the bear was which. Yeah. I couldn't account for all my dogs. And like I say, I want to make it safe for the dogs and make a clean ethical kill. Exactly. And uh, so the hunter, he didn't shoot. And uh, anyways... In the process of all this, it was so thick that my shoulder holster got caught in some brush as I'm going through the woods, and uh, I pulled myself free. But in the process of doing that, I didn't realize it, but I had pulled my shoulder holster, I mean, my, my speed loader loose 
off my shoulder holster. So my warden happened to see it on the ground. He picked it up, had it in his hand, and uh, later, you know, he got up next to me and tapped me on the shoulder and handed it to me. So I'm thinking, geez, now what am I going to do with this? It's, yeah. I can't put it back <laughs> on my holster. So I stuck it in my pants pocket. And uh, anyways, the bear had enough of us tormenting him right there, trying to get close enough to make the make the final shot, you know, that we needed. And so he, the bear moved on to another mountain, and we had to come out of this piece of woods for another spot. So the warden, he had to go do his, his thing during moose week and check moose on his, and he left. So when I found the dogs again, there was like maybe 500 yards off a road. We had 20 minutes before darkness, and, you know, we eased in there. I told the hunter, I says, you know, we, we're going in. We grabbed the dog leads, didn't bring the backpack with us. I says, we're either going to harvest this bear right now or I'm going to have to catch my dogs off, one or the other. So yeah. we eased in the woods there. We got in position, and like I said, now it's about 15 minutes before dark. Wind's blowing in our face, and I got an old skitter road I'm using for my left and right as a shooting lane in case the bear came towards us. Well, at that moment, I felt my back of my neck get cold when the wind shifted. So... About that time, the bear smelled us again, and woof, 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 the way he went chasing, you know, he went right away from us, the dogs right on his heels. We had nothing to lose now. We ran right in there like we were one of the dogs. And uh, Ben, when I stopped, we were like six feet from a 400-pound bear standing there on all fours (laughs) looking at us nose to nose. And uh, the hunter's name, I told him, well, the hunter, I said, you know, his name was Lyle. I said, Lyle, shoot him now. And uh, he brought his gun up, and he shot, and the bear went down. The dogs piled on top of him, and of course, uh, Next thing I know, the bear jumps up on his feet, and he's throwing the dogs off him, and he grabs this one dog I got. His name is Jerry. He was an old Awaka dog, and grabbed Jerry, and he had him on the ground. He was on top of him. Oh, well, geez. Jerry was letting the kai eyes out of him. I run over there, and I can't shoot down through this bear to protect the dog because the dog's on the bottom. Yeah. So I take my foot, and I push the bear, roll him off the dog, and he reaches out to grab me because I have to shoot where I can, but... You know, we're allowed to run six dogs in Maine. And if you can imagine standing with a 400-pound bear with six dogs around you, (laughs) and the bear's trying to get me, he's wounded, trying to get the dogs, it was chaos. And I have, you know, a six-shot revolver, and, you know, before I'm done, I got my gun's empty, and the bear's still very much alive. What do you shoot? Uh, 44 Magnum, 629, yep, Smith & Wesson. And... uh, Anyway, so now I got to reload, and the dogs, you know, the kai and the bears thumping them, and I step back, and I go to load my gun, and I reach for my speed loader, and it's gone. It's in my pocket now. I, I, I'm thinking, where is my speed loader? Well, it's in my pocket. So anyways, I, I'm fumbling it around. I got my revolver in one hand, the speed loader in the other hand, and I'm trying to get this Velcro case open to pull the speed loader out. You know, mm-hmm. I need three hands, <laughs> and it's chaos. So I haul a to the hunter i says lyle shoot that bear you know and uh i happened to look up and it was so thick lyle's looking you know for the bear and i'm looking the bears between me and the hunter and the bear is standing on all fours the top of his back is over lyle's waist oh geez and it's brushing against the back of him as he's looking the opposite direction i'm saying my gosh this isn't good yeah i gotta do something here so Anyways, I, I focus on my gun, and I'm starting to reload, and I hear his bang. He shoots again, and about that time, you know, I can hear him hollering, screaming, help, help, he's got me. Well, I look over there, and here's my hunter now on the ground, on his belly, with his hands up behind his head, and the bear's on top of him with both, both front legs wrapped underneath his armpit with his jaws on my hunter's neck. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, this isn't good. <laughs> I, I got I, I have to do. I have to do something here now. So, 
I run up there with a gun and I can't shoot down through the bear because Lyle's on the bottom, my hunter. So I can, I can hear my father in the background preach to me gun safety. You know, he, my dad always preached that since I was a young child. And um, I'm thinking to myself, but I got to do something here. Something, this is going to be bad. Oh, yeah. And I put the gun on the bear's chest, you know, over the top, you know, through the bear's midsection. Lyle's on the bottom, but I mm-hmm. was shooting sideways across the top of Lyle. And anyways, when I shot, the bear died, and Lyle looks up at me with eyeballs as big as saucers. And uh, I, I says, too. are you okay? And he says, I think so. And I says, can you get out of there? And I'm thinking, you know, this, this man's got to be hurt. And he crawls out on his elbow, slithers out. And uh, at this time, he's freaking out because he thinks he's bleeding to death. He can feel the hot blood all over him. Yeah. Well, it, the man didn't have a mark on him. That's, that's incredible. When, when I finished that bear off, the bear bled out on top of him. And it mm-hmm. was, it, that's the part that he felt. And yeah. he thought it was, yeah. Yep. He, so, anyways. Well, if a bear was on top of you mauling you, would you, you would uh, think, you I, feel I, blood. Yeah, I, <laughs> it's I, logical I'd to think it's mine. myself, too, yep. So, anyways, yeah, situations, you never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're doing everything to, to make our hunters safe, to keep our dogs safe. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes we get up up close and personal. And mm-hmm. uh, the stuff that we see that most people can't is just, yeah. and, and just watching. These, these hounds love what they're doing. Absolutely. It, what's cruel and humane to them is to keep them on a chain and not allow them to hunt. Exactly. Now, it's crazy. Like you, you guys, you know, as an outfitter, and, and like I said, I've, ha- I've had quite a few outfitters on, and you guys get to see more than most people ever do just because you're in the woods that much more and you're also taking people that are not experienced houndsmen you know i go hunt i'm going to hunt with experienced houndsmen i'm going and hunt with with guys that you know know what they're doing and there's a group of us like that yeah you're taking people that have no idea what they're doing no idea about hounds and it, you know it adds a whole other level of complexity and danger. Taking taking them out in the woods and trying to make it safe. Yeah. And you know Ben, I can tell you, there's a lot of places I I've been that I never would have gone on my own if it weren't for my dogs taking me there. <laughs> yeah. You know the dog takes you that you can pretty much when you get I don't care if you're lion hunting or if you're bobcat hunting, bear hunting. You know, you can pretty much look around the area that you're going to be and see the roughest place to get to, <laughs> and you're probably going to end up there sometime exactly. in your lifetime. Yep. That's for sure. Yep. Now I've, I've been on some mountaintops, and I'm like, what am I doing up here? <laughs> That's right. But uh, what a feeling. Once you're up there, and you can look down and take the picture, and now mm-hmm. you can, you know. Yeah. Yep. I've been up there, and I've seen it. Yep. yep. Well, anything else? Uh, no. Um, the only thing I would like to say is, uh, you know, the sport that we do, we love, Um the antis would like nothing better than to take our hunting, fishing, and trapping away from us. Yep. We need to be vigilant in mm-hmm. what we do. Um, the story that I just told you, you people, is you know a story that I've had to myself, and I've, <laughs> I've hesitated about even telling this story because I, I don't want to get it twisted around wrong. But mm-hmm. you know, any one of us and any one of the, the, you know, the animals that we chase with our dogs can get into a situation. Um, yep. But like I say, we love what what we're doing. We love. You know, we love our dogs. We want to keep them all safe. And these antis, they like nothing better than to take hunting, fishing, and trapping away from us. In Maine, I can tell you, because I was the treasurer of the Guides Association for about almost 25, maybe even 27 years, we went through two bear referendums in the state of Maine where the antis tried to take our bear hunt away from us. Yeah. 
and I know how hard it was to generate money to try to fight off these the antis. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though we have the warden service, biologists, and 90% of our state was behind us. Yeah. You know, that 10% of that state's where all the votes are, and these people, you know, they'd like nothing better to do than take a hunt and fish and trap and, and away. Exactly. But we need to build up a war chest. Um, we beat the antis two times in the state of Maine because it wasn't just Maine people. It was people outside of Maine came and helped. Yeah. U.S. Sportsman's Alliance is one. Uh, yeah. You know, even Buddy, the U Hunting Supply, all these people, they, they helped us, you know, to defeat the antis. We need to be as organized as they are. Yeah. And we need to build up a war chest. And if the fight is in, I don't care if it's, if it's Washington State or if it's, in Idaho or if it's in Pennsylvania, you know, we all need to, to step in together and help definitely to try to fight these people off. Now, and I think right now Colorado is the, the big fight right now. So be, definitely be paying attention to that, people, as uh, this year's a, you know, they're going to be voting on on outlawing, you know, hunting cats. So Yeah. It's, you know, all these animals, we are conservationists. You know, we want a healthy population. Yep. You know, we work with the biologists. They listen to us. We listen to them. We understand that to have a healthy population, you can't not hunt these animals, but you have to keep them at a at a number that is sustainable, that they can still reproduce and still have a healthy population. Exactly. This is your business. So, like, you need bears every year. So, yeah, sure, you take, say, something ridiculous. Say you take a 1,000 bear hunters this year. Well, then for the next five years, you're not going to have any. So to do that is dumb. Like you need sustainable populations where you can go every year, you can hunt every year. So people, these antis, like they make it out like, oh, you just want to kill all the bears. No, you don't. This is your business. This is your livelihood. That makes no sense at all. Common sense. Yeah. You know, you need a sustainable population that we can do this every year. You know, steady. Exactly. You know, I can tell you like the state of Maine, they, they want us to harvest right around 4,500 bear a year is what they want. And uh, we haven't, been able to achieve those goals because of weather conditions or natural feed and stuff like this. But, you know, we're, we're right around 3,900 to 4,000 bears, what we're harvesting. You know, okay. we need to kill, harvest that number of bears in order to have a steady, healthy population. Yeah. And that's the thing about dog hunting is when we're out running our hounds, we tree a bear. If it's a sow with a cub, sow and cubs, we don't shoot them. Yeah. That's the ethical thing to do is we don't harvest them. Yep. If it's not a mature bear, we don't harvest it. But if it is the bear that we need to harvest, we have the opportunity to make a good, clean, ethical kill. Yeah. And, you know, that's what it's all about. Exactly. You know, we don't want to wound the animals and, you know, make it inhumane. But uh, like I say, we are conservationists. And uh, no, like the story you just told us, you know, the best case scenario is you, you shoot that bear and it's dead instant. Yeah, we don't. You don't want to have something like that happen. Yeah, you know, this guy almost literally could have. That could have been really bad. Yeah, you know, guy could have seriously gotten hurt or in, or killed or possibly killed. That's that's not yep. good for business for you. Like you don't want that kind of stuff. You want a, a quick kill, but unfortunately, it's hunting. It's not. It's, this isn't a perfect fairy tale land. You know, Think, no, it is happen. Yep. So. And like I say, you know, it's. Every hunter has different abilities. You know, some of us can't walk as fast as we used to. Some of us, you know, mm-hmm. we can't get to where we need to as fast as we need to. Um, yeah. But 
Yeah, in our business, you know, when we're booking hunters, you know, clients, they need to realize, the clients need to realize also that it's not fair to the dogs or fair to the owners of the dogs if they can't get to where they need to go when they need to be there. Yeah. I, I was talking to a, a, another guy yesterday here, and he was saying, you know, these older guys wanting to book mountain lion hunts with him in Montana. And he's like, yep. I'm not trying to be rude, but he's like, I don't know if you can make it. Like, this is extremely tough country. Yeah. Like, straight up and down, lots of thick blowdowns and stuff. He's like, I don't know if you're physically capable. And yep. he's had to literally yep. turn away business because he's like, I don't think you can do this. That's right. You need to be honest with your client and honest with them. You know, they need to tell you if they've got any issues that you need to know about before you enter the woods and yeah. proceed into these. Yeah. Definitely. At the end of the day, everybody's got to go home. Yep. <laughs> That's the goal. Everybody, all the dogs, you know, we all want to go home safe. That's so. right. Well, Bob, so. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me here today and uh, hope you have a good show. Well, thank you, Ben. I do appreciate it. Yep. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Tree Talking Media. And until next time, keep them talking in the timber.